Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our comrade Noel Brown is out of the studio on an adventure. But we'll be returning soon. Hello, they call me Ben. We're joined with our super producer, Paul Deccant. Most importantly, you are here and you are you. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Yep. Matt, <laughs> Matt, I've mm-hmm. got a... Uh, I've got to ask, just for the sake of the show, I feel like I already know the answer to this. Okay. Have you ever traveled to the Middle East in in a way that you can reveal on air? No. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've, enough. I've never traveled to the Middle East at all. The furthest I've gone that way is the uh, pretty much the eastern edge of Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> without going into it too much, uh, 
trivia fact. I don't know if we've ever mentioned this on the show before, but you and I are very old friends and, and you know this. There's some countries that I'm not allowed to travel in mm-hmm. as in the um, – I'm sure they would be glad to have me, but I don't think I would get out. And oh. some of those are some of those are Middle Eastern countries. So is one of them Saudi Arabia? No, I think I'm fine. And Saudi Arabia is very U.S. friendly. Bully. <laughs> and I'm glad you mentioned Saudi Arabia because that's one of the things we're exploring today. You have probably heard of Saudi Arabia uh, or the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. as it's actually called. We're going to call it the KSA at different parts in this podcast. It is one of the most powerful countries in the Middle East. But that's weird because, frankly, here in the West, we don't hear much about this kingdom, either good news or bad news. Yeah, a lot of that has to do with cultures. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here in the West, uh, at least the media that's available to us – it might show us very different things about what occurs over there – you know, Western versus Middle Eastern, let's say culture in general, it's over time has been represented maybe, let's say, poorly on either side. Oh, yeah. Like the other. Oh, I totally. I agree. Especially, especially before the rise of secularism and then the later rise of Islamophobia. Those are mm-hmm. just things here in the West. When you hear just the phrase Saudi Arabia, Wait, what do you think of? Um, I think of deserts. I think mm-hmm. of oil. I mm-hmm. think of vast uh, reserves of oil and money. Mm-hmm. I think about uh, drifting, vehicles drifting, because I've just seen so many videos of that online. Mm-hmm. There's a huge culture of car stunts yes. in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it looks really cool. Also, the food looks great. I'm and just going to point that dude, out. Dude, the food does look great. And I also think uh, Islam, because it's got some of the holiest sites mm-hmm. in all of Islam. Yeah, the Kaaba is considered the holiest site, uh, followed by the Prophet's Mosque. Uh, and the this is the the holiest site is also referred to as the cube. It's a building at the center of the most sacred mosque in in Mecca. Yeah, the Kaaba, the cube structure. That is the thing you may have seen in videos on the internet, where there are um, seas of people moving in a counterclockwise position around it. Right. And it's yeah. part of uh, one of the rituals for the Hajj. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the the. People making this pilgrimage run a total of seven times counterclockwise, the first three times at a faster pace, four times closer at a slower pace. And that's, that's one of the rituals. Uh, it's, it's meant to demonstrate the unity of the believers in the worship of God as they move in harmony around this. It's amazing to watch. It is. It is amazing. And it's a powerful thing. We generally, here in the West are not going to hear too much about Saudi Arabia, which is why I'm very interested to hear what automatically pops in someone's mind mm-hmm. if they are not from the Middle East or they are not Muslim, right? I, I want to know what occurs to people because I, I thought of a lot of the same things, you know, uh, the empty quarter, this gigantic desert, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think of the uh, very specific dress that people have, the yep. customs of dress, the food. Um, we are examining something very strange that's happening in modern Saudi Arabia as we record this. And to 
bring us to the present moment. We're going to need to, to walk through the past a little bit. So I'm actually, I'm actually wearing my wild stallions shirt from Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Yeah. You know, it's maintained its color better than I expected that it would. Okay. I can tell you guys don't believe me because it's under my sweater here. He actually is wearing it. See, Paul, look. Wow. W-Y-L-D. It's real. You guys thought I was messing around. I had to pull a Superman on that. You had two shirts on top of it, buddy. I wear layers. It is very cold outside today. (laughs) (laughs) I also just said buddy, and I know I should not have said that. I'm so sorry. (laughs) All right. So side note, uh, we have had Matt uh, and Nolan and I have – had an ongoing conversation about whether or not calling someone buddy is condescending. And it's okay. I think it's great. I like buddy. I called you buddy like eight years ago and you told me not to. And you said my dog's name is buddy. Oh, that is true. Did I say no? <laughs> yeah, you you were the Did one. I shut it down? I yeah, shut it down? you were the one. Ah, all right. Well, no more buddy then, pal. <laughs> all right, buckaroo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, wait. Let us know. Let us know if you think buddy is condescending. I... I if a stranger calls me buddy, I'm not going to take it as fighting words. Yeah. You know what I mean? Agreed. Agreed. So let's go back in time mm-hmm. to, yes. to look at the history of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. How did it get here? Could we get a time travel cue? Ah, ooh, that last bit always gets me. <laughs> yes. Well, luckily we made it. We made it, Matt. Here we are. The land that will later become known as the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has an ancient history. And we're, we're here when the first signs of human habitation are in, in full swing. If we're relying on far-flung future research, this puts us around 90,000 years ago. Because in our modern age, that's the first sign of humanity mm. in in this area. And uh, it's it, you see that guy who's giving us the finger? Yeah, why is he doing that? Don't be salty. It, it, it's just a finger in, in his culture. He doesn't know that what it means to us. Oh, understood. But it turns out that 90,000 years <laughs> later, uh, future – Archaeologists are going to find a piece of that middle finger he's wagging at us. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really cool. He just had a boo-boo. <laughs> yeah. He was perhaps. trying to show us. Or perhaps he wanted us to be part of history. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that middle finger segment is later going to be found in an archaeological site called Tals al-Gada, uh, close to a northwestern city called Taima. This means, according to experts, that humans could have been living in the area, uh, a long, long time ago, you can read some different claims. The claims that you'll read in the West are going to differ from the claims that you'll read in Saudi Arabia or in Arabic literature, mm-hmm. rather. And that happens That happens pretty often. You'll see some of the same differences uh, or different conclusion, differing conclusions when you look at research by Chinese institutions yeah. about ancient China versus Western institutions. There are at least – as we're here now, as we travel through time, we're predating Islam by a wide margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there are going to be at least thirteen ancient pre-Islamic towns that will later be found in this area. Uh, though right now, as you and I are standing here in the ancient past, there are probably going to be several more that are still lost to time. So let's fast forward to the seventh century. 
Yeah, that's when we're talking about Saudi Arabia becoming the global seat of Islam. And like we said, it, it, it just has inside of it some of the holiest sites in all of the religion. Mm-hmm. And then we get a little bit further past the 7th century. We're going actually a lot further. Where are we going? <laughs> we're, we're going to the 20th century. <laughs> oh, man, that's so fast <laughs> and just you never expect it. Yeah. Um, we're now in 1930. When Saudi Arabia, as we know it, begins to coalesce, when um, Abdulaziz Al Saud founded the state itself. Mm-hmm. And let's go ahead forward to the modern days since we're here. Today, the kingdom occupies a unique space in the world of geopolitics. It is both home to one of the world's most prominent religions, and it is also home to one of the world's richest sources of Oil. Yes. And it's full of people. Who lives here? Okay. (laughs) There are a lot. As of right now, there are over 27 million human beings living there. Uh, That is around 23 million Saudi nationals and 8.4 non-Saudi nationals. Um, About 51% of the population is under the age of 25. So over half under 25. And that's – Statistic is uh, as of February 2012, which yes. is one of the it, – it's a little older, but it's the most reliable data we could find at the time. Um, now, up until the 1960s, a lot of the population in Saudi Arabia was nomadic or at least semi-nomadic. Mm-hmm. So um, a, a lot more movement in the culture of those families than just uh, you know getting to one place and staying. Right. This this comes from a sort of a Bedouin tradition. Yes. Now, the massive economic growth that Saudi Arabia has been experiencing over these, you know, past few decades really has changed the culture like crazy. More than 95% of the population is now settled. So, uh, a lot of this move a lot of the money, I guess, that becomes generated over these past few decades allows people to stay in one place rather than having to move to, uh, you know, chase whatever resource you're, you're trying to chase. And 80% of Saudis live in 10 major urban centers. This, this sounds like a crazy statistic, just that rate of change. Yeah. But it, Saudi Arabia is not alone by any means in this. I, I think it was just in the past what, nine years or something since we've been working together that the majority of the world's population began to live in urban centers, metropolitan areas. Yeah. Uh, the rural lands are being uh, – there's a huge brain drain going on. Strange. It's strange but it makes it makes sense. Um, that's why it's not – as weird as the rate of change may sound here, the phenomenon itself is not by any means unique to Saudi Arabia. Most most Saudi Arabians are ethnically considered Arabs and the majority of those are tribally considered Bedouin. So many Arabs from nearby countries are employed in the kingdom, uh, particularly people from Egypt. So you might identify yourself as uh, an Arab but not Saudi Arabian and you travel to Saudi Arabia, probably one of those 10 major urban centers in, uh, in search of employment, right? Yeah. And another thing you'll find in Saudi Arabia are large numbers of expatriates, people who have come from other countries, from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Indonesia, the Philippines, and recently because of the upheavals occurring around the world, Syria and Yemen. 
Right. And side note, in the 1970s and 1980s, there was a pretty large community of South Korean migrant laborers uh, that were numbering in the hundreds of thousands, but most have since returned home. Other than that, there are more than 100,000 Westerners living in Saudi Arabia, most of whom live in private compounds. That must be an interesting life. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what life is like there because, you know, a lot of people move there for business and they bring their family along and some of our friends, colleagues and coworkers have also been uh, – you know, been traveling kids and lived in, lived in these compounds, gone to international schools. Uh, And if you have had this experience, then we would love to hear from you as well. You can write to us at conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. So here we go. Yeah. Religion. Oh boy. Yeah. All right. Religion. All right. So make no bones about it, Saudi Arabia is a strict theocracy governed by the House of Saud, otherwise referred to as the Saud family. They practice Sunni Islam, not Shia, Sunni Islam. Mm -hmm. That is the official state religion. And for a long, long time, Saudi Arabia's dominant faith has been a type of Islam known as Wahhabism. This is an austere form of the religion that insists upon a literal interpretation of the Quran. Now, that might sound a bit strange to some people because they would say, well, the Quran is interpreted literally by other people as well. Mm-hmm. This this is a little bit different because strict Wahhabis believe that all those who do not practice not only Islam but their form of the religion are heathens and enemies. And before anybody decides to cast a stone, let us consider that the majority of religions that have different dom- denominations have at least a couple that say the same thing. Yeah. Right? Like there are some extreme Christian sects who argue the same thing. If it's not our brand of Christianity, then it might as well be Satanism. Well, yeah, and specifically if you don't interpret our holy text literally and with the words that are being said at least as interpreted and transcribed from the languages that they originate, then you are doing the wrong thing. And I have been a a part of something kind of like that, at least in a belief structure of my own creation. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Are you and I cool? Yeah, we're cool now. I think I'm cool now. I'm all right. Is, pa- is Paul out. cool? I'm not in uh, unless Paul's in. He's part of the deal. Yeah, you know what? He's in. Okay. All right. That sounded like you were on the fence. So I appreciate you. <laughs> Just for a moment. I appreciate moment. you taking a step there. Uh, and Noel's in too, right? Well, I mean, not currently. We'll have to see. Really? Yeah. I like him. He's go- He's cool. The only people that are in are the ones that I can see in this present moment. So – is that is that one of the tenets of your the belief tenets. system? Quite literally. If I don't see you, you don't exist. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cell phones must be really complicated uh, for you. I don't you. understand. <laughs> well, speaking of fantastic segues, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> critics argue that the rigidity of this particular interpretation of Islam has led it to misinterpret and distort the um, – the practices, the mm-hmm. platforms of this religion and of the Quran, which seems counterintuitive because one would think that a literal interpretation would be possibly closest to what 
the author, the Prophet Muhammad, originally meant, right? Unless, of course, they were writing in metaphor. And that's a, that's a whole other bag of badgers. Yep. We can, um, we can reach out to some of our friends who research the evolution of a religion. It's self a controversial term. We yep. understand, uh, to get a little more insight on that. But these critics would typically point to religious extremists such as Osama bin Laden or the Taliban and the explosive growth of this I, this concept, this denomination, for lack of a better term, began in the 1970s when Saudi charities started funding schools or madrasas and mosques uh, all across the world, from Islamabad all the way out to Culver City, California. So they took it global, right? And critics will also further – further add or, or further attempt to drive their objections home by noting that factions of Saudi Arabia's elite uh, have participated in and funded terrorist or religious extremist or paramilitary operations around the world, whatever you want to call it, yeah. waging a religiously motivated proxy war or something dressed as a religious war. And a lot of times those funds get channeled through the charities by the – the what they would call the elite Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia's elite, mm-hmm. and then it goes to various places. Mm-hmm. And we're 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 talking about some disturbing stuff here, and and a lot of it is stuff that people have heard on some level before. But we're in no way we're in no way saying that the the actual people or individuals of this region are in any way different from you. Different from many of your friends listening, uh, we're we're saying we're talking about the institutions, absolutely right? the organizations, and we're going to continue with some uh, cultural issues that are being dealt with in the KSA and have been have been dealt with for a long time, and they're pretty dark. We're going to get into them right after a quick word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, 
Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we're back. Thanks for providing that breath of fresh air, Matt, because we are diving into one of the things that I'm convinced most Westerners have heard of, if mm. e- even if you're not very familiar with Saudi Arabia in general, uh, and that is human trafficking, uh, exploitative employment, right? Yeah. Would yeah. be or would be one way to phrase it. But what it is in practice is de facto slavery. Saudi Arabia has huge problems with uh, human trafficking, primarily in the field of migrant labor, and this. Again, this is not just Saudi Arabia. This this encompasses – this problem encompasses the glo- uh, Gulf states in general. The Global Slavery Index estimates that over 92,000 people are currently enslaved in Saudi Arabia. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, there are two ways this – two primary avenues here. Uh, construction workers held in debt bondage. You know, you – your employer – has your passport, controls your visa. Will bring you to Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. with, you know, the hopes of enrich, enriching your life and perhaps the lives of your families. Mm-hmm. And you then owe them, they have to recoup their expenses on the plane ticket. Yep. But then surprise, uh, they have to recoup the expenses on your food or yeah. your lodging, which yeah. might be horrible. And there's interest. And there's no, you know, there's no such thing as OSHA which is the organization here in the United States that is meant to enforce workplace safety. Uh, I said there would be interest and I th- we got a listener mail a long time ago and did a little research. Apparently there would not be interest applied no, on those loans. It's a gift. Yeah. There's a gift thing that functions like interest, but it's yes. not usury, right? Yep. Yep. The other, the, the other avenue of this de facto enslavement will be the idea of household servants, primarily from some of the countries Matt mentioned earlier. These will primarily be women from Indonesia, the Philippines, Nepal, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. There is an ongoing epidemic of abuse here. Uh, and the rapes and assaults are largely at least in the past, have largely been supported by the state-level interpretation of Islam, which hinges upon this argument that 
you can consider some women as things, quote, your right hand possesses. Mm -hmm. And that's been interpreted as slaves, uh, most immediately sanctioned sex slaves. So the idea that you are paying someone to be a live-in maid or a babysitter or something here just sounds like a job, right? Yeah. But, but there it has become conflated uh, with concubines and slavery. And uh, this is, of course, completely non-consensual on the parts of people who thought they were being hired to have a job. Yeah, and it it should be said here that the United States has, um, for various stated reasons, uh, sometimes just speculated reasons, mm-hmm. failed uh, in the opinion of, I think, the global community to push for any kind of human rights in the Gulf states and in general or mm-hmm. in particular in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the United States has a uh, heartbreaking <laughs> – just – I'm laughing out of helplessness mm-hmm. – absolutely disgusting record when it comes to any kind of advocacy for human rights in the Middle East uh, across the board. Yeah. Uh, from – from Oman all the way up through Jordan, Syria, etc. It's just the the Middle East in general. For one reason or another, I'm not knocking the individuals in the State Department. Of course, I'm saying that U.S. policies have not prioritized the importance of you know gender equality or human rights as uh, to near the degree that other people would expect the world's police force to do if that's what the U.S purports itself to be. And then if we move on. Speaking of rights, what about people who are citizens? What about people who were born there, who were born there, uh, it's their native land and they're not a migrant laborer. They're mm-hmm. not suffering under this abuse system. One of the biggest issues is the concept of equality for women. Historically, Saudi Arabia has been a very, very, very difficult place uh, to be a woman. The genders are sharply segregated and obviously Saudi Arabia is not currently the kind of place that would engage in gender fluidity. No. You're not going to find a unisex bathroom. No, it's a very black and white situation. You are a man or you are a woman. And until – Fairly recently, women were not allowed to do things like vote or drive or go somewhere unaccompanied, pursue higher education and so on. That appears to be changing and uh, just just some background before we get to in the geopolitics uh, here. Saudi Arabia has a lot of economic heft and it's based on fossil fuels. Yeah, it's home to the world's most valuable company. I mean, how, that's, how many people can say that? It's oh, not Apple. It's not Apple. Uh, it's called Saudi Aramco. It's an oil company. It's responsible for the production of the kingdom's fossil fuel exports and this energy, let's call it behemoth. Uh, it's valued at anywhere, this is a large range here, anywhere from 1.2 to 10 trillion dollars. Uh, wow. That's a large valuation and it's because the amount of oil that has existed underneath Saudi Arabia that's accessible for drilling and for exporting for decades. 
Mm-hmm. And this uh, this company, Saudi Aramco, eh, controls it. Uh, right. Pretty much all of it. You know, one of my old professors used to – is a bit of a partisan. He used to call um, – he, he would say that Saudi Arabia is the most uh, cantankerous member of OPEC and he mm. said the – he said that uh, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Companies and he said that OPEC only exists to make oil more expensive and to restrict the flow of it. And I thought, well, that's kind of hmm. cy- cynical. Like I don't – you know, I don't know. I would love to hear your opinion on OPEC as well, folks. And speaking of this interaction here. We didn't even talk about arms deals. We did not talk about arms deals. Arms deals coming in and out of Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. The United States likes to sell weapons sure. to Saudi Arabia. And the United Kingdom cut a uh, – like sank and buried uh, a very important legal investigation because Saudi Arabia threatened not to go through with a uh, military hardware deal if they continued investigating. Yeah. And, you know – we're just saying here, but you bring in a lot of weapons, mm-hmm. military-grade weapons from countries that specialize in developing these weapons. You can do with them what you please. Mm-hmm. And if you need to sell them, there's another good source of income. Just saying. Mm-hmm. And this leads us to relationships with other countries, which is something we could examine at length in a different episode or mm-hmm. a different show. So as the seat, again, of holy sites in Islam and as one of the world's most influential petrol exporters, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia swings far above its weight class in the world of geopolitics. The elites of the United States and the ruling tribe of uh, Saudi Arabia, the House of Saud, have a long-running, very close and often controversial relationship because the U.S. provides support on everything from infrastructure to military might and Saudi Arabia and the United States, or at least factions of the Saudi Arabian elite and factions of the U.S. elite have been thick as thieves ever since Nixon sold them on the petrodollar. Yep. And it feels very strange to even say this, but Saudi Arabia has a uh, a problem. They're, let's say they're notorious for <laughs> – Using the wealth and power that it's uh, that it's gotten to prevent the elites amongst its people from meeting justice for crimes abroad. So if they're in another country and they do something, let's say let's say something like theft, or maybe they're smuggling drugs, or some kind of abuse occurs, some physical or sexual abuse. Even let's say one of the elites kills somebody in another country. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get away. It goes beyond what we would imagine as diplomatic immunity. It's because of the power. Yeah, in a very real sense, these individuals are considered above the law. And uh, you can read numerous accounts, as Matt said, of each of those crimes being committed and the person who committed them not ever seeing justice in one – in the country in which they committed the crime mm-hmm. – and of course, we do have to add a grain of salt here. Is it possible that we are only hearing Western propaganda or only hearing one side of the story? Absolutely. That's sure. why – yes, that's why it feels so strange to say it because you know the, the elite, at least from this country, 
have a certain amount of that probably. I mean, okay. Is that all Western propaganda though, Matt? Is it, <laughs> is it, is it Paul? It's possible. It is possible. But it's not plausible. Agreed. It's not plausible. There couldn't be that, there cannot be that many reports from Southeast Asia to Indonesia to the United States, even unto Beverly Hills. Yeah. I mean, you can even see videos of Saudi elites doing abuse, like horrible things to what I guess they would call their, um, their workers, people, the, the Those people they employ right in their possesses. Yes. Yes. You can see it and nothing occurs. Nothing happens. And it's just, I don't know. It's like you said, heartbreaking. So again, it would be cartoonishly unfair for us to say this applies to every single member of this family. Absolutely. Every family has a, has a couple of, uh, you know, every family has a couple of jerks in it. Yeah. And just because someone has, happens to be higher on whatever, uh, whatever temporary hierarchy exists in society at the time, that doesn't mean that they're all good or bad people. They're just, they're just people whose parents made different choices. Mm -hmm. So who the heck's in charge here? (laughs) Right. If this is very, this is very family based, right? Similar to the uh, democratic people's Republic of Korea, North Korea, Saudi Arabia is absolutely ruled by a single family and their close relations. And this means, and you know how this stuff irritates me, Matt. Mm-hmm. This means that if you were born uh, as someone who is on the outside of this hierarchy, even if you are a Saudi Arabian national. Even if you're brilliant. Even if you're brilliant, then you have apps. If you are the Saudi Arabian Elon Musk mm-hmm. and you are not a member of this single family, you have – Virtually no chance of succeeding in government regardless of your abilities. You were just born wrong. And as a result, ministerial positions, very powerful ones, are assigned based on who has been the most successful uh, at currying favor in court. Mm. And this brings us to – we said things are going to get crazy. This this brings us close to that point. Uh, there's someone very important that we want to tell you about after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Friends and neighbors, ladies and gentlemen, we would like to introduce you to Mohammed bin Salman bin Abdulaziz Al Saud. Yes. Yeah. He recently became the crown prince of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, effectively becoming the power behind the throne. At the time of our recording, he is 32 years old. He became crown prince on June 21st of 2017. But wait, Ben, you might be saying, but wait, Matt, hold your horses. Isn't there supposed to be a king of Saudi Arabia? Yes, but he is not making the calls the way that the crown prince is. No, he's older at this point, and the crown prince is just taking the reins. Of power, essentially. The current king is Salman bin Abdulaziz Al Saud. Uh, he has been the king since 2015. Uh, his, his major initiatives include some, um, progressive things and then some dangerous things. Uh, he is the one who made the call to intervene in the civil war in Yemen. Uh, he also is the one who is technically responsible for the decree in 2017 allowing women to drive in the country. Mm-hmm. But back to Crown Prince uh, Mohammed bin Salman who's making uh, all, all these comments. Oh, and when in Arabic, when you hear bin, it's spelled B-I-N and it's like son of. Mm-hmm. So it's really Mohammed, son of Salman, son of Abdulaziz al-Salman. Wow. Uh, so – his ascension to power, Mohammed bin Salman, was accompanied by the typical trappings of any state power transfer. You hear about it in elections in the United States, even if it's just a, a state representative or a city council member. Someone's like, you know, I'm going to change things. Yeah, it sounds good from a podium. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a better life for the citizens. Yeah, the the ones who live here and 
pay the taxes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Not anybody from out of country. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I love the idea of somebody making these grandiose speeches for a local office. Like, mm-hmm. as city comptroller, yeah. I'm going to <laughs> what is I'm going to drain the swamp. Yep. I'm going to drain the comp trolling swamp. Uh, yeah, better life for citizens, a more progressive stance toward energy economics, he said, a modernized culture and so on. All good things to hear, right? Mm-hmm. And even better if they actually come true. It's the standard fare of a lot of newly emergent politicians, dictators and rulers. But Mohammed bin Salman was a little bit different. He did not – he, and he said this on record. He did not consider Saudi Arabia a normal country and he had not considered it a normal country for at least three decades. And he said he did not come to continue business as usual, which, you know, of course, everybody says when they mm-hmm. want to get elected or, you know, um, if people are unhappy ascended. with the current uh, mm-hmm. setup. Right. I'm, I'm different. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instead, he said he wanted to remake Saudi Arabian society in its entirety. And as we record this, that's exactly what he is trying to do. Here's where it gets crazy. Well, it turns out uh, the prince wasn't just laying down some of that pillow talk, blowing a little bit of those smoke rings toward you, toward all of us and his people. Um At the end of September 2017, he started taking some pretty brutal actions to consolidate power for himself. The uh, the culmination of this process that kicked into full gear in June when he officially became the crown prince. Um, It's been, in no uncertain terms, the culmination of (laughs) what, what we would say is a real conspiracy. You know, one of those things that we don't, uh, it's not a theory. Right, right. It is not. It's not. He planned and colluded and conspired in secret to uh <laughs> to he would probably clean call it cleaning up the town mm-hmm. or whatever but he he took down a lot of people and this conspiracy has real world immediate implications for the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and then the larger middle eastern region and the globe so what happened it, his rise to power is largely possible due to the death of the old guard, particularly the long-serving ministers of foreign affairs, defense, and the interior themselves, also princes. And he was able to do this because when they died, there was a power vacuum. There was fluidity in the upper echelons of government. For years beforehand, each of these princes kind of consolidated their own sphere of influence, and then you would have these calcifications, right, yep. uh, into into fiefdoms. Little verticals. Little verticals, yeah. And so Mohammed bin Salman was on a mission, essentially, to soften some of the notoriously puritanical theological stances that Saudi Arabia had held for a long time. And he has pretty much, he's made some genuine changes, especially in the field of gender equality. Right, that's exactly true. But this isn't entirely heroism, in terms of this conspiracy, there may be a dark side to it as well. It turns out he held several billionaires hostage. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> true story. Yeah. I know it sounds like a weird opener, but it's true. As part of his vision for Saudi Arabia, bin Salman arrested – first he arrested 11 Saudi princes in November. This is unprecedented. All caps, bold yeah. those letters, full stop. It's kind of on the level of – 
Like imagine the vice president mm-hmm. who at the time uh, that we are in the studio today, uh, the vice president is Mike Pence. Imagine if one day that guy just said, you know what? I'm arresting unilaterally multiple members of Congress. Yeah. All these senators. You, 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 you. Get thee to the Ritz-Carlton because that's what he did, right? That's what Salman did. Yeah, they they kicked out all of the paying customers at this Ritz-Carlton or at least most of them. I think all of them. And he put these people in there and their families in the Ritz-Carlton and uh, what did he downed a lot of the uh, or grounded a mm-hmm. lot of the private aircraft yep. so that people couldn't escape. Cut communication lines. What? Held, held them hostage, essentially. I mean, we could call it arrested to make yeah. it sound more official. Um, but hey, at least they were at the Ritz. At least they were at the Ritz, you know. And also, if you were just one of the people who who were, was there at the time, would you want to stay? I wouldn't want to be a bystander to that. That's a very scary situation. If they If they offered me the choice and I knew what was going on, I would say, you know, thank you very much. Uh, it was nice to meet everyone. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to the Holiday Inn. Hey, uh, anyone who lives in Saudi Arabia, is there a Holiday Inn there anywhere? Uh, let us know. Me and Riyadh. <laughs> we just want to go to a hotel where we won't be bystanders in, uh, in a, a mass arrest of billionaires. Yeah. So one of the people that was arrested was a guy named, is a guy named Prince Al-Walid bin Talal, one of the richest individuals in the world, one of the richest men in the world. He controls an investment firm, Kingdom Holding, and he owns or has over his career owned major stakes in 21st Century Fox, Citigroup, Apple, Twitter, many, many other companies that you have heard about ad nauseum. Additionally, he controls media outlets. He controls satellite television networks that are huge across the Arabic-speaking world. All in all, more than 200 people were arrested in what was framed as a crackdown on corruption. How could you be mad at that? It was a nice framing. Really is. <laughs> and according to the authorities, they conducted a huge sweeping probe. Mm-hmm. They got everybody. And they found at least $100 billion had been misused through embezzlement and uh, corruption over the past three decades. And over 1,700 bank accounts uh, were frozen. 1,700. They were all being apparently um, used as personal accounts, and these were not business accounts. So these are just individuals embezzling money, according to the authorities. Right, right. And all in all, fighting corruption is a good thing, right? It is. Let's go back to our comptroller example. You don't want a power-mad comptroller taking all the uh, comptrolling money. <laughs> He's got all the TPS reports and all the the tape. No, we're just – I think we're just throwing around words. I think it might be increasingly obvious that neither of us knows exactly what comptrollers do. Uh, there's a lot of – Printer paper involved, maybe? No. Uh, Excel spreadsheets. He's in charge of the ex- the Microsoft Excel serial numbers. That's what it is. So none of his employees can uh, log in unless he allows them to. I feel like you're improvising this. I am. Oh, wait. Wait, you're right. I just looked up the effectively the chief financial officer of a public body. Yeah. You nailed it. Hold on. What? I apologize, man. I'm sorry I ever doubted you. <laughs> no problem. I was a, my, my dad was an accountant. Was he a comptroller? No, he was a controller, though. 
Uh, no, he didn't have the comp. He didn't have the comp? No. Well, we may have to walk away from this comptroller example. Okay, okay. But, uh, <laughs> but it, uh, it is true that corruption is not desirable. At least culturally, it's, it's considered undesirable here in the West. But here's the problem when we go, when we look at this through a different lens. Saudi Arabia is an executive monarchy, and this means that it does not possess a written constitution. It does not have independent government institutions like a parliament or courts. And yes, of course, of course, we know that a lot of the so-called independent government institutions in countries across the world are independent on paper, right? Mm-hmm. Like the uh, the legislative body of North Korea is independent on paper. Yeah, it's true. Uh, the there's a difference between paper and practice, is what we're saying. Yes, but accusations of corruption are difficult to evaluate when, even in theory, these institutions that would be evaluating this are not in any shape, fashion, or form, independent, and the boundaries between what would be considered public funds and what would be considered the wealth of the royal family are pretty murky. And corruption, the way that many other countries would describe it, is believed to be massively widespread. You know, like in the um, in the United Kingdom, there's the personal wealth of the monarch, whomever happens to be you know, in charge of that tribal system at that time. Uh, and then there's the wealth of the crown, which is sort of the office that a monarch holds. Again, entirely, entirely based on who their parents were, in no way based on any qualifications. I'm not saying that uh, they're unqualified to be a monarch. I'm saying that no one is qualified to be a monarch because it's a really stupid system. Sick burn. No, I'm just I, – I got to stop harping on that. <laughs> I feel no, like I, once a year I start ranting about how – am I just mad that I'm not an emperor or something? All of these princes and princesses <laughs> and crown kings. <laughs> I turn my nose at thee. I think, I think you would be a pretty – I think you'd be a pretty decent uh, monarch of some sort, Matt. Oh. That's an awful thing to say. Well, I don't think you would be a good dictator. I think you'd be a good monarch. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could totally open doors, walk out, you know, and look at my subjects and go, Hear ye, hear ye, my loyal subject. <laughs> Everyone will be enjoying a Coca-Cola classic today. Sugar. Wait, are you doing – Is does your monarchy have sponsorships? It does, yes. <laughs> there we go. That's very that's very forward-thinking of you, man. Yeah, dude. This robe was brought to you by Coca-Cola. <laughs> I – you know what? I'm, I'm kind of into this idea. Uh, I would vote for you. Oh, no, wait. I'm not allowed to because it's a monarchy. Yep. Uh, I guess I would see if I could sell you a sponsorship deal. But the um, – You know, it, yeah. the line between my wealth as a monarch and the uh, – mm-hmm. The funds that come from my sponsors, it is pretty murky. It is murky? Yeah, it's pretty murky. You know, I haven't ever seen you pay for a soda. <laughs> what can I say? So, um, and yeah, of course. All right, I'll say it. It is true. Being a monarch is a very demanding job. Mm-hmm. You are attempting to hold uh, disparate unions of people together. And that's always, always going to be a tall order. I just think... 
not choosing – I just think choosing people on some system other than merit is a, a terrible way to go about it and it's tradition and uh, traditions are not automatically correct, which is crazy that that's still a controversial statement in 2018. Whatever. Don't hire your family just because they're your family. Oh, you're too controversial, Ben. You're too controversial. So while it might sound <laughs> it might sound noble to call this movement uh, some kind of stab against the corruption that's occurring in Saudi Arabia that has existed there for decades, but the truth is the arrests, these particular arrests, seem to center right smack dab on the crown prince's competitors. We're talking about his rivals, his enemies, pretty much anybody who who could be in line for the throne or have enough money and influence to get in the in his way for whatever he wants to do. It appears to be this way. Right, exactly. And there's another hugely important fact here. Several of those people that were, as Matt noted, shipped off to that Ritz-Carlton, arrested for corruption, were released after they gave up massive amounts of cash or stocks or other assets. One businessman reportedly had tens of millions of Saudi rials, the, the currency, mm-hmm. withdrawn from his account after he signed a release deal. In another case, a former senior official consented to hand over ownership of roughly $1.06 billion worth of shares. So, wow. so there's a question here. Is this, is this the, uh, crown prince taking back money that belongs to the people and the state? Quite possibly. Or is it the crown prince removing power? The, yeah, removing the financial power someone would have to rise up against him or raise, you know, raise their own faction. Hmm. Also, there, uh, there's an ongoing war in Yemen. I think we mentioned it briefly here earlier in the show. Uh, Mohammed bin Salman is actively waging that proxy war in Yemen, uh, fighting Iranian influence in a continual Iranian-Saudi Arabian conflict that predates his ascension. The U.S. is supporting this war, although you might not hear much about it if you only tune into broadcast news. But then again, if you listen to this show, you probably don't only listen to broadcast news. You especially might not have heard about it for quite a while because of how many things are occurring geopolitically right now. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fallen by the wayside, Mm -hmm. which is awful. But it is very real Mm -hmm. and people – is very real and people are dying without much help. Uh, Bin Salman, by the way, blames the 1979 Iranian revolution for sparking the brutally strict state of Saudi theocracy today. Mm. So in his mind, he is – he sees it as a, a reaction. He sees those two events as interrelated. So that's the, that's the lay of the land. The current most powerful official – other than the king in Saudi Arabia, the current crown prince of Saudi Arabia is seeking to modernize the country, says he's doing so, has taken steps to do so, uh, and arrested anyone who would be a threat and effectively, seems to have effectively neutered them. What does this mean for the world? We can make some guesses at the end, but of course we would be remiss if we didn't mention the other conspiracies or conspiracy theories that are present in Saudi Arabian culture today. And this could be its own episode, but I think we're running a little long already. Yeah. Uh, so, Ben, just tell me about uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran. 
So Sunni versus Shia Islam, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the, the same religion, different, different interpretations. Um, and this is an argument that goes back a long time. Uh, so there's the religious conflict, but then there's also the desire to be the regional hegemon. Mm. Both control, um, uh, both control fossil fuels, right? And Iran controls something called the Strait of Hormuz, which we mentioned previously, uh, which is a vital, uh, water transit route for fossil fuels. Yep. Saudi Arabia has partnered with other countries to help restrict the influence of Iran. The two, two very influential countries there would be the United States and Israel. Saudi yes. Arabia is very well known for staunch public anti-Semitism, but as, as we've said in previous episodes, take that with a grain of salt mm-hmm. because the stuff – what was the word we used? Performative? Yes. The, the performative speeches somebody might make to their domestic crowd – might be way different when they actually, you know, they meet the prime minister of the other country. And there's uh, just stacks and stacks of cash available mm. for deals. Sure. And their kids go to the same colleges and stuff. Yeah. Telling you fingers on a hand. Mm. They're not as different as you might think. Uh, and then, Matt, tell me a little bit about the global sphere. We knew this was going to come up. Uh What's maybe even just as a teaser for Saudi Arabia and the attacks on September 11th, 2001? Oh, yeah. There are a lot of allegations that Saudi Arabia funds terrorism, as we said, through those charities that have been set up. And it's a, a well, it's a known known that 15 of the 19 hijackers uh, from the September 11th attacks were from Saudi Arabia. And there are, there are a handful of declassified documents. Well, there are loads of declassified documents that show the United States was actively investigating contact between some of the hijackers and several individuals involved with um, the Saudi Arabian government at varying levels. Mm. And then uh, we have a quote here from Fox News of all places that mm. um, says – Quote, the 9-11 Commission report found no evidence that the Saudi government as an institution or senior Saudi officials individually funded the attacks al-Qaeda masterminded. But the commission also noted the likelihood that Saudi government-sponsored charities did. So one more time, Saudi government-sponsored charities did. Oh, come on. So the government... At all, the the big G government didn't do it, but these government-sponsored charities probably did. That's what that statement says. So that's it. No money went out the front door. Yes, that's exactly what they're saying. But there was a back door. There there is a prominent back door that's been set up for a long time to send money to places that would do something like this. Doors, by the way, on different sides of the same building. If we're just going to use this visual now. Yeah. All right. Um, there's also the missing 29 pages from that 9-11 commission report that was mentioned by that Fox mm. article. Um, it directly addresses the involvement of Saudi Arabian government actors who were likely acting pretty much as their own factions, mm. like uh, as their uh, – what do we call them, Verticals? <laughs> right. <laughs> Without right. the king's approval. So the king had no knowledge of a lot mm. of this happening, but maybe these other little groups with power did. And we will delve into that in a uh, future future episode. I think it will need to be the triumvirate of us here. Uh, 
probably a two-parter too. Yeah. Uh, and when we say government actors, we mean people who were affiliated with the government, even if they weren't acting in their capacity as, you know, an a official. minister, an official. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one though that you had told me a little bit about, which was the idea of controlling gas prices. Yes. Uh, we're, this is from a House of Works article. We're going to jump right in. On April 25th, 2016, then Deputy Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman announced the implementation of this thing called Vision 2030. And it's this ambitious plan the kingdom has that, in the prince's words, would uh, rid the country of its addiction to oil. Ben, you actually made a video on this, I believe. Hmm? Really? For now, for How Stuff Works Now. Oh, did I? Yes. Oh, wait. Yes, I did. I Gosh. think a lot of this comes directly from your words. <laughs> I forgot about this, Matt. Yeah, uh, it's it's a smart move, and it's something that quite a few Gulf states are aiming to do, or several Gulf states are aiming to do. Uh, as we know, alternative sources of energy collection distribution are on a precipitous rise and in your lifetime, if you're listening to this, uh, the odds are – the odds that you will have an, an electric-powered vehicle or solar-powered infrastructure of some sort are, are rising precipitously, mm-hmm. especially if you live in a country that didn't completely botch alternative energy like the U.S. did in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, so the – the the idea here is is noble. It's understandable and it's quite practical, right? Yeah, the the plan's interesting. So they're going to set up five percent stake in Saudi Aramco. Remember that giant company, the oil sure. company we talked World's about, most valuable company. It's going to be a public offering, an initial public offering, an IPO, and then they're going to pour a lot more funding into their public investment fund. And it's going to make it one of the world's largest public investment funds. And the third thing they're going to do – Ooh, this is the dangerous one <laughs> for the crown prince. It is because it's going to be unpopular just with the people mm-hmm. that, that he uh, – I don't know what you call it. He controls. He lords over. He princes over. Yeah, um, the citizens. The citizens. Well, yeah. Uh, the kingdom is going to cut various government benefits because there is a there are a lot of benefits to living in Saudi Arabia if you're a citizen there. Yeah, as a citizen, this yeah you'll have a you'll have a pretty solid job. Healthcare is taken care of. There are various other subsidies. They're going to save an estimated sixty one billion dollars per year doing this. But then also they're going to have an uh, a rise in um, I don't want to say unemployment, but they will. The government will need to find some kind of way to translate the skills these people already have into business and government. Yeah, and create the jobs somehow for that many people. Right. Uh, so while this is happening, the prince also aims to raise non-oil revenue to 160 billion dollars by 2020 and 260 billion by 2030. Wow, that's a lot of money. Here's the problem: uh, two years ago in 2015, that number. That's supposed to be 160 billion was only 43.6 billion. Wow. Oh, and also, uh, you can just to show you how unpopular this stuff can be. um, If you live in the U.S., then I'm sure you remember gas prices spiking in the past. Mm -hmm. Recently, in uh, I believe it was January of 2017, gas prices in Saudi Arabia rose by 127 percent. So the domestic population is beginning to feel the heat and we'll see if this – again, this is an executive monarchy. So we'll see whether those government subsidies actually end and what the results would be if they do. And now we want to close with a question. What – 
what's likely? To me, it seems likely that unless there's uh, an internal domestic or financial catastrophe, Saudi Arabia may well be on the road to an increasingly diversified economy, maybe even a more moderate culture. Mm. Uh, that's that's optimism. Yeah. Or, unfortunately, or as several other, I guess, pundits, analysts, and critics have suggested, maybe this could just be some sort of Western-friendly dressing, you know? Like maybe they just – Dolloped a little bit of ranch to <laughs> soak over this salad, this house salad of despotism. <laughs> they lubed it up with ranch. Ranch was the most American salad dressing I could think of. I think you hit it on the head right there with that. Invented in Alaska. You know, it. <laughs> I did not know that. It's true. Um, for my mm. for my opinion, you know, I'm I'm feeling a bit cynical about a lot of this, but I think I personally need to learn a little bit more about the situation, right? And I think that's maybe how a lot of people listening, like you might feel that same way. Like I've before truly understanding this, I need to spend some more time with it and then feel it out. But the cynic in me, the one that views the world pretty much the same way over says, man, this is some ranch dressing. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised because I, I think the, Wow, maybe this is a situation where I'm more optimistic. I think it is. But again, I think it's because you know a little bit more than I do. And for me, seeing a lot of it on the surface, it feels like, oh, I'm suspect of all this. I would love to hear from a Saudi Arabian national or someone who has spent time in the kingdom. Oh, that's great. Uh, please write to us and let us know. We, we are getting the signal here uh, from our producer. Fortunately, we are going to have to call it a day. We know we went a little bit long, but we do hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, this was not a conspiracy theory. The crown prince worked colluded secret and then arrested everybody <laughs> which was just you know it makes me think of uh the untouchables with kevin costner oh, definitely. is that where they would go in and arrest everybody did the, that happen the untouchables are the it's the crew right the motley crew of guys with mm -hmm. their tommy guns yeah 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 so as as you know, Matt, Noel, Paul, and I consider you, specifically you, the most important part of this show. And if you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or any other social media platform, you see that occasionally we reach out and ask you for the ideas that you would like to hear in the future. Well, we're going to kick it up a notch, or maybe we should say go a little further down the rabbit hole, a little deeper into the black mirror accidentally sci-fi reference, we're starting a Facebook group where we can all interact with each other directly and we'd like your help. Yeah, specifically, if you ever listened to an episode and then wanted to go deeper down the rabbit hole and maybe post some of your findings somewhere where other people who are going down that rabbit hole with you could find it and then talk with those people about what you found. Well, this is what this new Facebook group is going to do for all of us, including Ben and Noel and I. You know, I, I, I've been uh, skeptical 
of Facebook groups in the past, you guys, but I actually was just invited to join one the other day by our illustrious graphic designer, Pam Peacock, here in the office, and it's called uh, Now Playing, and it's literally just a Facebook group where people post pictures and little comments about the vinyl records they're listening to. Totally up my alley. I love it. It's in part of my life now. So this can be that thing for you, and it will be for me for sure because I'm as into this stuff as I am into listening to vinyl records. So I'm excited to be part of two Facebook groups. Excellent. I, I'm I'm pretty excited about being able to post further reading for shows that we do mm-hmm. for for specifically people who are listening and really want to get deeper in, in things. And who knows? The stuff we uh, talk to you guys about on that Facebook group could yield entire episodes or maybe even a whole side conversation in the form of uh, some kind of spinoff down the line. Who knows? So we're in the early stages of this. We're still figuring out a name. We'd mm-hmm. like to hear uh, your suggestions, as a matter of fact, if you have a if you have a swell idea. And if you would like to get involved, we're looking for, uh, as Indiana Jones would say, or to paraphrase Indiana Jones, top people, right? We're looking for top folks. Only the top. Only only the top. Uh, the creme de la conspiracy creme. Uh, if you would like to serve as a moderator for the Facebook group, uh, we'd like to hear from you. You can send us an email directly. We are conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 